0: Today's Center use Nation podcast was brought to you by Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the promo code capital C, capital L, nation, and to receive 20% off plus free delivery on all their products. Welcome to this podcast of Saturday Station. This is Pat LaRusso. I am joined by my two co-hosts, Lucas Egenti and Blair Barton. Gentlemen, how's it going? Another week of our podcast. A few more additional games. A low, um, a low excitement game last night against the Oilers. Just want to get your overall thoughts. Uh, Lucas, we'll start off with yourself.
1: You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I kind of welcomed that, that sort of style of game yesterday. I wasn't... Uh... I wasn't too unimpressed by it. I mean, I you, know, you you see Edmonton, you see McDavid, you expect there to be a ton of goals always. Not going to lie, I had the over, didn't hit. Uh, but anytime the Leafs play good, I'm, I'm okay with it. Even if it is a in a loss, um, it, two bad goals, I'm obviously not going to count the empty netter, two bad goals, so it, it is what it is.
0: And, Blair, what were your thoughts on uh, sort of the last few games and, and, more importantly, last night's tilt against the Oilers?
2: Uh, well... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree on that point. I found I found the game to be a bit of a snooze fest, um, you know. Considering the star power was that was in that game, I was struggling to find storylines. I mean, I know we're gonna get into the injury stuff later, but that was uh, that was the biggest storyline to come out of the night. You know, obviously there was you know an own goal and a phantom call, so like there's storylines like that. But as far as good exciting hockey play there's really nothing to talk about
0: see I, I'm kind of in between the two of you which is funny I actually tweeted this last night um, I'm fine with the defensive game I think you know we've been talking about it for how many years now that the Leafs don't play defense that they're known for their pawn hockey um, so in one sense I appreciate it I think it needs like I'm I, if this is what the Leafs are going to do from a defensive effort you know, count me in, I think, I think it's well needed. Um, but I, I, the one thing that always puzzles me about this group is when they're taught to play defense, they completely forget the offensive side of the game. And I don't know if, you know, we saw this with Mike Babcock, you know, we're seeing it now with Keith. Like I, I don't know if it's too much of an emphasis from the game plan perspective on just focusing on defense. And, you know, to quote Austin Matthews, like, was the entire game plan just focused around two players? Um, but there wasn't any, I don't know where the, the offensive game goes when they're told to play defense. Like there's gotta be a balance. Um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a trade-off where, you know, the players come back, they shorten the gaps in the defensive zone, but then once they pass the red line, it's have at it, let your creativity run on the offensive side of the puck. But it's, it's funny with this team. It's always all or nothing. There's never a fine balance in, in their gameplay. So it's just, I don't know.
1: Here's where, here's where I agree with you on that, Pat. Uh, I, I do think that they, they do, you know, I put this in air quotations, forget how to play offense. But the, where I disagree is maybe the first two lines can forget how to play offense because they're worrying about McDavid and Saddle. There's no secondary scoring on this team. I know we're only five games in, but at some point, this third and fourth line needs to get going. Um, and it needs to be a lot more consistent. So if you want to look at it that way, they wanted to focus on defense. They wanted to, you know, take McDavid and Jai Saddle and Nugent Hopkins out of the game plan, that's fine. But who's on Edmonton's third and fourth line? Why, why was the third and fourth line of Toronto not able to generate more offense uh, more consistently that would obviously allocate more goals eventually, right? I
0: thought the third line played well. Like, I thought the, the Mikheyev, Hyman, Kerfoot line, they just didn't score. Like, Mikheyev had some decent shots. Hyman, I, what an underappreciated guy in this marketplace. I remember having to write a blog defending this guy, and all he's been able to do since coming in the league is drive a line. Like, it just seems wherever that guy goes, that line takes off. Um, you know, I just found that that third line, it was just bad luck, bad puck luck. But, you know, if it, if it was to stay together long enough, I could see them scoring some goals. I like like the line. I like the different elements um, that a Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and a Hyman bring. Um, The fourth line is completely useless. Like, it's just – it's not – it it didn't have any impact on the game at all. It didn't generate any type of forecheck. It didn't generate much offense. um, And it – I don't know. There there was some frustration.
2: Yeah, I mean – for me, I don't see it as like this defensive gem. Uh, like, like when I think about, I know it was low event, but I, I feel like it was just because the star players didn't have it. Like any of them, uh, you know, the, the standout player of the night for me was Mikheyev. Like he, he looked like he was on fire last night. And, and I don't think the reason was that he's that much better than, than, uh, he normally is, is the fact that I don't, I think everybody came out flat last night on both sides. And, uh, I don't think it was too difficult to defend um, any of that play. That's that's kind of how I see it. Um, as far as the depth on the third and fourth line, like you know, and and them contributing, um, I agree. I think the third one was great. Um, fourth line, I think I think it will put it in some some pucks, um, but we're going to be tested here over the next little bit because that the, these lines aren't going to get a chance to gel because. You saw today, the blunder came out, obviously, with uh, Thornton going down, and it would have been so great for uh, Nick Robertson to jump in there. I would have loved that. Uh, Just if if Joe had to take some time off, that would have been – that just would have been uh, awesome to see. But it is what it is, and and we'll see what uh, what happens tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, it's – the way I look at the game last night, I actually heard them talk about it on Overdrive uh, this evening was that really the star players seem to have just cancelled themselves out last night. Like, I yeah. think McDavid was worried about, okay, if I make a mistake, does Matthews take it down the ice? Um, and it, they seem to just cancel each other. So really it became, you know, a war of attrition for the two teams' bottom two lines. Um, the Oilers got lucky, um, you know, at least on that first goal, where it was like an essentially an own goal. And then, you know, that kind of leads us to the Oilers' second goal, which, On a phantom trip call, you know you can say the other, you know, trip their own player, or but or there was a dive by Yamamoto, but like it was such a phantom call, and I found it to be such a cheesy call in such a tight checking game, where it just it the referees dictated the winner. Yeah, right after Austin Matthews had had, had scored the tying goal.
1: Yeah, it was it was evident the referee were dictating that game because there was many calls that had me scratching my head. I think it was Marner's, Marner's hold. And again, I put that in air quotations. I think, I think he grabbed the right shoulder of nurse. Okay. Don't get me wrong. He grabbed him. Is that really worthy of two minutes? Like, I don't, maybe, maybe in this day and age, maybe the, this is how they have to call it. Maybe in the referee meetings, the GM meetings, that this is the way they want. They want tighter games. They want these penalties called, but that, that's just amazing to me. That, that Marner call was unbelievable. And if you want to talk about the Muzzin call, we can dive or not the ref was right in front of him like yeah there there has to be a point where even if the dive was flawless I'm talking soccer player to the max beautifully done beautifully executed (laughs) how does a ref not notice that Muzzin had no ability to actually trip him there it was it was (laughs) almost impossible for Jake Muzzin's stick to be in that position to trip Yamamoto was it yeah Yamamoto
0: yeah 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 I'm positive it's just
1: I I almost couldn't understand to a point where when the, when the whistle was blown, I questioned like, Oh, what's the call? Like what's going on here? And then you see Muzzin skate to the box and it's like, that's a penalty. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And and I would never advocate for diving. I don't like it. I don't think it belongs in hockey, but if the other team's doing it, you got to do it too. There was a play in the third period where Muzzin was skating across the blue line. He got kind of tripped. Maybe, maybe, this, uh, it was a stick or a skate, you know, they, they both touched each other and Muzzin kind of lost control of the puck and himself. And I bet you, if he just hit the ground, if he just twirled and fell, that would have been two minutes for Toronto. I think it was later in the third period. I think we were nearing the end of the third period and I screamed fall because if he just fell, yeah. that's guaranteed two minutes. And it's just, I find it ironic that Yamamoto has no problem hitting the ice. Like he's an Olympic diver and a guy like Muzzin, who, you know, has a little bit more character. He, he tried fighting through. And at the end of the day, he lost the puck and nothing ended up happening. And it's just, it's upsetting to see.
2: Yeah it's, it's tough to see, you know, them lose a game over something something that's, you know, they clearly were right there to to witness it and yeah, it's uh, tough breaks.
0: Well, it it, it 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 calls into question and I know Lucas, you know, we've had these off offline conversations about the Leafs' inability to generate power plays. Every year they fall in like the bottom quarter of the league in power plays generated and I've always found that kind of boggling my mind because how does a team that drives so much offense not draw penalties at the same time at the same frequency like no one's saying you know every game it has to, oh you know if Toronto gets four penalties it's got to be four to, for the opposing team as well but like we've seen some games last season and even the year before where it'd be like one power play for Toronto or two power plays for Toronto and then five for the for the other club it's just I, I don't understand the imbalance. Like. How is it that some clubs are, you know, 10 times more likely to get a power play against Toronto than Toronto is against them? And it just, it, it just boggles, it ruins the flow of the game. I think it frustrates the players at times. I think it frustrates management. But I just, I've never understood a team that can generate so much offense at the same time not generate power plays, um, with, 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 at least with a frequency of, of even like middle of the pack. We're talking lower quadrant of power plays generated and I, I i just don't understand and i'm not saying that there's a conspiracy and i'm not making up excuses but at the end of the day the numbers don't lie season after season the last couple of years the lease have generated some of the fewest levels of power plays um
2: yeah like i i don't have an answer for you uh you know it's uh you know you obviously kadri was was a master at that for a long time and uh It was actually great to see. I'm a huge Cadre fan and uh, I I didn't get that trade, um, but that's a story, you know, conversation for last year, I suppose, but uh, it's, uh, it, it would be fantastic to pick up some guys that are capable of, of kind of playing that game.
1: Yeah. And you know what, it, it's crazy because it, you kind of said it there too, Pat, like the, the amount of talent on this team, there's almost no reason why they shouldn't be drawing penalties at all times. There's, yes. there's so much speed on this team. And it's almost amazing how guys don't trip or, or clutch or grab or hold as often as, as it seems like Toronto, it happens to Toronto. And I think the thing that amazes me the most is you mentioned it there, that um, the players might be frustrated. Management might be frustrated. Coaches might be frustrated. That's all true, but we also, we also expect this team to be highly offensive and score a ton of goals, but they're, you know, on the penalty kill for 10 minutes out of yeah. a 20 minute, or sorry, out of a 60 minute game. And you, you sit there and, you know, you, you have Matthews go out and dominate an offensive shift. You have that first line dominant offensive shift and they change. And then there's a penalty called. Yeah. And now Matthew's on the bench for two and a half minutes, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, by the time the, the first line gets out gets out again, because, you know, you have to rotate the second, third and fourth line in. So now your best player is off the ice for three and a half, four minutes out of that 20 minute period. And it just seems to me that these guys, I don't want to say can't get in a rhythm because superstars like that should be able to get into rhythm, you know, instantaneously. But how do you expect a guy to, you know, go out, dominate a shift, sit for four minutes, come back and and do that exact same thing. They just did two shifts earlier when they just killed the two minute penalty, especially when the top line, has Marner on it who does most of the penalty killing. So, so now yeah. Marner's on the ice for the penalty kill, comes off, has to jump right back on with Matthews line and dominate again in the offensive zone, cycle the puck and keep offensive pressure for over a minute. It's it's a tough, it's a tough ask, and it's it's starting to wear the leafs down and it's starting to take a toll on them defensively and offensively because they spend so much time having to kill penalties, having to play their penalty killers more than their best players. And I guess that's the reason why Matthews wanted to be become a penalty killer. You know, give them that uh, double double-edged sword, that dual threat. You know, they can score on a penalty kill too, but it's not worth it. It, it just, to me, it's not no, worth it's... having Austin Matthews block a Shea Weber shot, especially when you're playing them ten times this year. Have Austin Matthews block a Shea Weber shot just to get him on the ice?
0: Yeah, it just, it it, just, it boggles my mind. And and the one thing I've always found unique, and it's this interference call. Literally, the depending on who's refing it. Uh, how many times have I seen William Nylander try and enter a zone? Maybe the puck's been dumped in. He tries to get it. And there's a clear interference. And the, he clearly gets slowed down, you know, every time. Just watch it. Because he's one of the few that, that does do zone entries really, really well and, and can enter the zone with and without the puck. And they have always they always slow him down. Mitch Marner the same. I've I, I started to notice it more um, within the last couple of games as well. Mitch Marner will try and enter the zone. And he gets slowed up by the, the you know the, the one of the defensemen, and there's no interference call. Then you'll see it happen. Toronto will do it, and it's like off for interference. And it's like I'm I'm not I'm not understanding the penalties. we bef- back of you know back before I would be able to understand what a trip was or what a hold was or what an interference was. I'm watching these games, and I've, I've even picked up some of like um, now that I've got uh, you know the full TV package. No, I watched the Pittsburgh game a couple games ago. Same thing. You know, it's just, I just, I don't understand what's a penalty and what's not a penalty. And if it frustrates me as a casual viewer with really no real impact to me, I can just imagine what it's like when you're trying to coach in a game or, or trying to play in a game where, you know, you don't know what's going to be next. Like you don't know what calls coming because none of them make sense.
1: Yeah, it's, it's evident there's absolutely no standard, and and if there is, it changes every single game. Because yeah. even last night we were watching the uh, the Vancouver game. Vancouver had six power plays, five or six power plays it, to Montreal's one. And and don't get me wrong, I saw, I would never, never, ever, ever, ever want Montreal to to have a- any more success than Toronto. But at the end of the day, when the team gets six power plays and the other team gets one, I, whether it's Montreal, or the Bruins, or a- any team really, that's it's yeah. incredible. That's incredible to see on a stat sheet, on a score line. Like y- you sit there and you wonder, like. Were the Canadians actually that undisciplined to get six penalties to Vancouver's yeah. one and tie the yeah. game and go to overtime in a shootout? That's incredible. Yeah,
0: yeah it just it just boggles my mind. It just I, I don't understand it. I don't understand. And I was actually looking for a makeup call after the muzzin. Okay, you know what? You gave Edmonton the power play. They scored. I was waiting for a makeup call. You know it was coming. Yeah. You know when usually there, when there's a bad call, there's always the you know a makeup call, and it never came. And there was clearly a, quite a few opportunities where you know Edmonton could have been back on the penalty kill and it just never happened. Because I think when Matthew scored, wasn't there like a couple minutes left? When Matthew scored? When Matthews tied the game, wasn't there like maybe two or three minutes left? I might I might have my timing off. Probably. But I Edmonton thought there was there. still a decent, you know, there was still you know a few minutes left in the game. Like you could make that back up. Like I just I don't know. I just uh, I I was just frustrated with that, and then. To hear, you know, after the game that Joe Thornton's now injured, it just, from, from an uneventful game, it surely flipped to a pretty eventful one um, when Joe skated off with what appeared to be a wrist injury. Um, you know, wanted to get both of your opinions on, you know, what your immediate thoughts were when you saw Joe skate off. So, Blair, you know, what were your thoughts when you saw him skate off with that wrist injury?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I might be overreacting, but you know, I'm, I've, I've loved watching him play. I think he's fit in really nicely with that line. He's just, you know, he's, uh, such a big presence out there. Like he seems bigger than, than just six, four. I know six, four is massive, but he just looks so, so big. And, uh, and he's, I, I think he's been skating pretty well. Um, you know, I, I seen a couple of pretty slow line changes, uh, after, after a long shift, but, uh. You know, I've been really impressed with with him at age 41. I think he's been fantastic, and you know he's fit in well. And I think Keith's doing a, a great job of kind of uh, splitting up uh, the workload for him and uh, taking, you know, putting Hyman up for a couple shifts and everything. And uh, it's it's been uh, it's been great to see. Um, and uh, you know, he's going to be missed.
0: And yourself, Lucas?
1: Um, truthfully, I. My the ice at the back of my head, I, I, my eye roll was incredible when I saw that. And obviously it has nothing to do with him. It's just, it's just in general. It's just uh, can be, like, how do you define Maple Leafs hockey other than five games in losing two players you had such high hopes for? Yeah. And you sit there and it's like, okay, you know what? Injuries happen. You lose Thornton. You can stomach it. You lose Robinson who probably would have taken Thornton's role you're just like uh, what else can go wrong they like, uh, got five games in are we serious and don't get me wrong listen flyers lost Katuri, i get it we can all cry everyone loses players but it's just like i said every year the season finishes optimism's at an all-time high like nothing can go wrong this is the year for toronto five games in they lose joe <laughs> thornton nick robertson <laughs> now now we're sitting here going great who's playing on line one who's playing on line two Line four is already a mess. Now they have to get shaken up. It's just it, it just seems like it is never end ending drama in Toronto and add this to the list.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's, it, a, that's my second thought was uh, was yeah, and Robertson's hurt. This would have been perfect if, to see him yeah. for, go for the next four or five games, watch him slot in there beside Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Uh, I think would have, uh, you know, and you could do the same thing with him. You could split him up uh, the the duty a little bit and throw Hyman up there every, every few shifts and um, manage his ice time. But he's just such a quick dynamic player with that shot. And uh, I think he would just, you know, I think Matthew would get a you know, his hands are so good and tight around the net. If he's not going to be the primary shooter in the play, he can definitely bury those, uh, those free pucks. And and we know Marner can get anybody the puck. I, I think it just would have been fantastic to watch. And that was uh that was like, you know, dominoes falling, <laughs> like, kind of hit. It. Yeah, I'm like, yeah oh, it
0: just, it's like, it's so leafy. Like, if there's ever something to happen, you know it's going to happen to this team. Like, it's just, it's almost like, it's just clockwork. Like, there's, like, a story written, and we already know the ending. Like, it's it's comical. Like, I, I, I literally laugh. Like, not that I, you know, I was, I was making light of Joe's injury, but just making light of the Leafs' fortunes. Absolutely, it's it it's comical at this
1: point. Like but it was even like that, that whole game in, entirely. Like you you sit there and you watch the first goal and you're like, okay, hey, it's going to be one of those games. It's, it's a defensive yeah. battle. You know, it's it, it really going to come down to who makes the mistake first. And can you really even classify goal one as a mistake? Like VC just tried chipping the puck out. It goes off two bodies off Muzzin in the the smallest window past the pad of Anderson. And you're just like even if even if vc did that a hundred times i can guarantee you that doesn't go in one more time and and it did and yeah you you sit there and you're like okay it's the leafs you know it's the leafs they have all this talent all this firepower i'm not too worried and the game keeps going on and it's just missed opportunity missed opportunity bad call penalty kill and you're just like here it is it's one of those games it is literally one of those one of those
0: games yeah so i guess
2: anything to do with it sorry (laughs) I, i saw some stuff on twitter uh Yesterday, talking about the the puck and uh, how oh, the yeah. no sensor in it anymore, and they're complaining about it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like, <laughs>
1: I don't know. Like, I don't. Is it is it true? Is it accurate? Does it make a difference? I, I, I don't know. I genuinely well, don't have an opinion. No,
0: that like, kind of takes us before we wrap up uh, for this latest podcast. You know, I guess we can, you know, kind of just very quickly, kind of go over, you know, what some of the line combinations might be. Um, based on some of the reports from the least practice today, it does appear that Hyman will make his way back up with Marner and Matthews. I know Matthews had, um, you know, came out quickly for practice and then had to leave. Hopefully he's not injured or if it's just a, a flu, hopefully yeah, what he they can say? still- They're play. not
1: calling it COVID, right?
0: No, no. And they didn't really give an update. I guess we'll find out later on tonight, maybe tomorrow morning was the last report that I saw. Um... I, I, you know who I would love to see on that Tavares-Neilander uh, line is mm-hmm. Um I, I, I like his forecheck. The only thing is that that would really ravage that third line by taking both Hyman and Mikheyev off of it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what Keefe's going to do. You know, we they definitely need to start generating some additional offense. And I just – I can see the lines just going through the blender and with Bar, Barbanov possibly, you know, getting back into the roster as well, so –
1: yeah, I, honestly, I like how they've been rolling 7-D at the moment. Um, it, it might sound crazy, but is it, is it a terrible idea to continue rolling seven, 7-D seven and maybe double shift a guy like Matthews and Tavares a little bit more often? You, you see them like to mix in Tavares with that top line every now and again. What if that became a little bit more consistent rather than every now and again on offensive draws? Because um, I, I, I don't see a problem with it. I don't see a problem with Tavares stepping in on that first line. I'm not talking every gate. I mean, uh, every shift of every period, but a, a little bit more consistent than what they've had because yeah, Mikhaev could probably step in there and do all right. But I, at the end of the day, they need to score goals. They need to score goals quickly. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a little bit lower on Mikhaev right now, just because I had such high hopes and I know it's only five games in and, and things will turn, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I love him on there because like you said, that third line will really suffer and, That third line has looked good, although you're right, they haven't scored. Um, The the goals will come eventually, hopefully. I think it does. I think it demolishes that third line a little too much because I don't think anybody can step into Mikheyev's role in the third line. Like, Simmons can physically, but Mikheyev's speed is unmatched on that third line.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, actually, I think what I saw for line today, I think I saw VC was up with Matthews and Marner, and then it was, uh, I suppose, it was Brooks, VC and Marner. And uh, Hyman was up with Tavares and Nylander. Okay. Um. I yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change all the lines. I'd I'd be you know. I think in this case, depending on how long Joe's going to be, I would just do a plug and play. Um. You know, if you're going to go with put somebody in, whether it's Adam Brooks, whether it's uh, whoever, um, actually get an opportunity to play with those two, and and uh, you know. Honestly, Matthews and Marner can play with anybody and, and yeah. they're getting their points. Um, and if, if they can just find a complimentary player from uh, the taxi squad, plug them in there, um, you know, most shift with them, but not every shift and uh, don't disrupt the other lines. That's that's how I would handle it. Unless Joe's going to be out for a month or two, you know, like depending if he broke his wrist or, or something. I don't know what the extent of the injury is yet, but uh, I would for a plug and play rather than to, you know, go in and, and disrupt all the other lines while you're, you didn't have a training camp. You know, this is the time that they they need to work together and become units and, you know, get ready for the playoffs.
1: Are we, are we a hundred percent sure that Engvall can't play on the first line I mean, uh, I I him too much credit, but I mean, at the end of the day, he was signed because he, he was decent at the time of signing the contract. He was a, he was a good third liner at the time of the contract. I mean, He's supposed to be a, an average goal scorer, and as Blair said, you know, plug and play. If you give him a shot, I think he could surprise. I think I think you'd rather him over Brooks or VC. No, uh,
0: you know, I think at this point, um, I wouldn't even. You know, who I wouldn't even mind with one of the top lines is a Wayne Simmons, someone I can get that can start the cycle. Um, you know, kind of be what Hyman is. Um, so they're... There's so few players on the Leafs roster currently that can play the game that Hyman has with the impact that he has, but I think that the 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 Matthews or Matthews Marner or even the Tavares Neiland they do need a grinder. I think they need someone that can go and get the dirty pucks in the dirty areas and then start the cycle. Um, And then because I I can Tavares is great in front of the net. Nylander is just as good in front of the net. But I think they need someone that that'll go into the corners and battle for that puck, um, to get the four check going.
1: Which Robertson would have been.
0: Yeah, Robertson would have been that, for perfect for perfect. that.
1: It's almost it's almost disgusting to say how perfect he would have been for that first. I know, time. I know, it was, like, it, yeah, it, I was
2: it like it is. It, I was like, oh, Joe's gonna be out for a while, and then and then and then, oh, Robinson, uh oh, yeah. yeah,
1: it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to even think about because you 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 look at this kid, and you watch him in the playoffs last year, and. All you were hoping for was to him was to show out, and and he did yeah. just that. He did just yeah. that. all the, oh, the expectations, and then Joe going down, and you're like, "This is it. This is his chance." And then you hear that report, and oh, welcome to being a Leaf fan, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's...
2: It's... I know I wasn't part of the team back then, but uh, I wish I was because I do not understand taking Robinson out and putting Johnson in. Yeah. Um, in that series, I just don't, I just don't get it. I, you know, Johnson, uh, Johnson, sorry, wasn't. 100% that was that was for sure. And I think Nick Robertson is an NHL player.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he definitely has the, the the smarts. I like his positional play. And if he could ever just start stringing together, you know, some goals. Like, he, he's, he, he's got an NHL caliber shot. You know, and we saw it with the one. He scored. Didn't he score against Montreal before he got injured? Didn't he get a goal this season? Or was that in the exhibition where he like rifled
1: it? Oh, the...
2: was... he, he rifles it though. He's got a gun. Like, I, I yeah. I, the only person I see with a, a shot like better than his on the Leafs is Austin Matthews.
0: Or even Nylander. Nylander's got oh, that, that.
2: Yeah, Nylander shot is that holy.
1: The... I didn't, honestly, I, I've, I've always loved Nylander, but watching his shot this year, for some reason, it's popped out to me so much more. Oh, there's so
0: much power to it. Maybe
1: it's because he's just like he's scoring and it's like, all right, there is Willie. Now you kind of expect it. But some of the goals, like
2: Jesus, Willie. He's just lasering it, like, yeah. like where he wants to put it. Like, and you know, whether the goalie makes a save or not, they're beams. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and that's how I see, that's how I see, uh, Roberts Robertson. Herod, yeah. Yeah. Just a it's just a yeah. I didn't. I didn't even consider kneeling there because I, I. usually think of him more as a passer. But you're right. His shot this year is just deadly. Just it's it's,
0: and it was funny. I watched one video and I had to go back. Um, I think it was the first goal that he did against Montreal, or was it the second one? But the flex on his stick yeah. when he takes that shot, like the power, <laughs> the accuracy, and then you have you add that flex, like man, like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he can get to like 20, 25 goals, maybe even 30 this year. Um, just given how streaky he can be. And when he gets going, he really gets going. So, And the Leafs really need that offense. So, you know, especially at this point. And I know it's crazy to be saying this after five games, but they need to get back in the winning column and continue to, you know, ride out um, the storm with Joe and Nick out. Um, but I you don't. Know, this has been a great, great chat so far, gentlemen. And, um, you know, are there any other thoughts before we uh, close it out?
1: Um, you know, for myself, I, I just thought of this right now. And really quickly, we can have a very small conversation on it. But who takes Thornton's spot on PP1?
0: I think they have to go back to Tavares or Nylander.
1: That means both will go back to PP1.
0: I think. I think they have to stack it. I think at this point they'll have to stack it.
2: Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would do. And, and you know, other than Riley, I would probably keep them all out for for the full two minutes too. You know, or yeah. at least oh. at least one or, and a half.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, one and a half. You know what I mean? Like, and I was surprised. Like, the one thing that I've always admired about Sheldon Keefe was his ability to feel the game and adjust his lines. I'm surprised, you know, with, with two, three, four minutes left in the game that he just didn't ride his big boys. Like, stack the lines, try and get that tying goal um, or that, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I know that that phantom penalty maybe changed up the plans a bit. But when you're back down being 2-1, I'm surprised he didn't go back to, to stacking his lines and just trying to get some offense going last night.
1: Yeah, that'll, that'll be something to watch definitely throughout the year. I, th- that could genuinely be a, oh, it's game four, it's game five is what it is type of thing because I can't yeah. see him not doing that. Later on in the season, when it really, really matters, yeah. My uh,
2: my closing remark, Pat, uh, is is you know I know I was saying I don't think that it was as much the defense last night as it was just you know players not being enthused to play. It seemed like um, is their overall team defense um, other than that one game in Ottawa, I believe, it was on Friday night. Um, I think that they are coming together um, as a team like so much better defensively this year. And, and if, you know, they can play with a little bit more jam, Uh, I I get, you know, game five, they're not going to be, you know, thrilled to go bang in the corner, but if they can, if they can start towards the end of the season, really starting to play with some more jam in their game and, and, you know, the defense is coming together with that offense, they can pull it together. They'll, they'll definitely be a favorite going into the, into the cup final.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely that that's been my biggest thing is, is, is figuring out how you strike a balance with this roster um, because they do. They, they got to stop with the pond hockey, um, you know, running gun because it's never worked. It hasn't worked in the playoffs. Um, so it'd be nice to kind of see, you know, some of the offensive stars sacrifice a, a tad. I'm asking 5% of their offensive play just for those, you know, the closing of the gaps in the defensive end, have them focus on that because if they can get the defensive game to match their offensive game, There's few teams in the NHL that can beat them. And and, and I will put this roster against any team. If they can ever get that defensive side of the game to match the offense on a regular basis, there's no reason why they can't, you know, not only win the Canadian division, but make their first Stanley Cup final and possibly win it this year.
1: Count me in for that.
0: Well, gentlemen, you know what? (laughs) We've left this latest recording on a high note. Let's leave it with that. And let's see how the boys do because we have Edmonton on Friday and I believe Vancouver on Saturday um, or is it Sunday? Okay. So, you know, we're going to have another busy weekend ahead and probably so much more to discuss next week. So thanks again, gentlemen, continue to stay safe. And to all our listeners, you know, we can be found on Spotify, Amazon podcast, and every other uh, major platform for podcasts. Um, and also head to sensation.com for all our upcoming blogs as well. Thanks everyone. Take care.
2: Thanks.